are returning after a really long hiatus. I am Chelsea, Woo! and Alex Hernandez is here. Say hi. Hello, everyone. And Ryan Boyd is here. Hello. And we are doing another episode about the most popular topic we've ever talked about, which is queer things going on in wrestling. Yay! Yep. Woo! We were we were preparing ourselves for this episode by talking about gay things and trying to get in the spirit <laughs> of the gay. So it's about to get a little rainbow up in here, and we don't apologize for that. In fact, we celebrate it. Okay. Um, Super gay. So... There's been a surprising amount to talk about. Like, I, well, the first time we did this, um, we were kind of, like, making little lists of things to discuss. And then it we kind of burned through a lot of stuff in the first show. And I was like, oh, man, it's going to be a while before we can do another one of those again. And then it was like, oh, we need to, like, start doing this, like, almost immediately. Like, it only took a month to get another bunch of topics to talk about. Right. Let's Let's just get right into it. I think the thing that... We probably need to talk about first and foremost is uh, Brizongo, and oh, oh yeah. my goodness, ah, yes. the the will they or won't they storyline that WWE is trying to pretend isn't happening, um, <laughs> which is just the the most darling thing that they're like maybe we'll trick the audience into thinking that this is going to happen when we know oh. we absolutely know they're not going to fucking do it. It's it just it's just kind of frustrating because. I mean, the tension is there, and you're like, I expect them to, like, fully make out in the middle of the ring at some point, but at the same time, I know that's going to happen, but at the same time, it's like, please, maybe? You know, and you know what the problem is? They're both really hot. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, and it's like that moment when uh, Fandango, like, walked out with the uh, the stripper cop outfit. Oh, the my gosh. Tyler Breeze made where he, like, bites his fist, and it's like, yeah, so say we all. And it was, I think, the most transcendentally gay thing I've ever seen in wrestling. And then it turns out that supposedly Fandango's outfit was originally Tyler's outfit. Did you catch that what? at the end of that segment? Tyler says that. He's like, did you, like, oh, I forget what he says. It's like, did you take my outfit or something? Like, did you borrow that? And then Tyler has to come up with his own outfit so they can match, so they can both have them. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, are, wearing are, are, each other's are, oh, clothes. Oh my god! Because that's, that's not that's not queer at all. No, either. no. Um, Listen, <laughs> guy, guy friends exchange outfits all the time. Oh yes, I mean totally. It's a, after it's a very bro thing to do. After you accidentally leave it on somebody's floor, yeah. Um. Right, <laughs> I, I leave outfits on friends' floors all the time in uh, a purely platonic way. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So, I mean, like, I'm looking at Cage Match right now and their listings for Brizongo. And it looks like their first match as a team was back in, let me see, May. May 16th. They had a match okay. against the Golden Truth, and they defeated them. Oh, well, that wow, was... Wow, I totally forgot moment? about the Golden Truth. Right? Right. Wasn't, wasn't that the match where they were, like, where Goldust uh, rotisseried them in a tanning booth? Uh, the rotisserie in a tanning booth, I think. Was... You know that sounds like a weird sex position, right? <laughs> oh God, rotisserie! Yeah, that oh, was spit roasting, right? Yeah. <laughs> spit roast. That didn't make it sound less like a sex position. Exactly. Well, the other well, one sounds good. kind of sexy. Yeah. Like I'm so sorry. sexy yep. and delicious. <laughs> Much like Fandango. That's. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Or Tyler. But yeah, like. 
Tyler. Well, and the well, the weird thing the weird thing about Fandango is that like I mean Vince I mean I, I read it on the internet so obviously that means it's true. Um, <laughs> but my my understanding of Fandango's relationship with Vince was that. Vince didn't like that Fandango wasn't really committing to the gimmick mm. before before Breezango. Although, by the way, side note, I really wish the team was called uh, Fabreeze. I know! It's right there. I know. It was like the perfect right. name. I wonder if it has something to do with, like, copyright things, you know? Like, um, maybe it was too similar. They couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't get Fabreeze to do a product endorsement and get Tyler Breeze to do, like, a, like a oh, thing. Oh, Vince loves cross-promotion. Yeah, oh, I, I just imagine so him, like... Walking into like the locker rooms and other wrestlers being there, and he was just like spraying everyone. A place that desperately needs Febreze, probably. We get yeah, but... we get K Jewelers as a sponsor, but not Febreze. Oh, we get Dolph Ziggler's scrub ass in a Colonel Sanders outfit, but we can't get a, a, a Febreze plug. Come on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like so, Fandango before uh, Brizongo was like, you know, Vince didn't think that he was committing to it because he was he wasn't totally going for it, and. Fandango really seems to have, like, found his verve with Brizongo. Like, he, he really seems up. like he's... Yeah. He stepped up, man. He... the. This is my frustration with Brizongo. Okay, well, okay, there's two. The first frustration is obviously that it's obviously a gay gimmick, and they won't let them actually, like, kiss or hold hands or really say anything about committing to anything. The most right. we get is this sort of, like, barely... Or not... Not barely, but less offensive Chuck and Billy, like, will they or won't they crap. Um, right. And they don't... The will they or won't they is not, are those guys banging? Like, it's implied that those guys are banging. The will they or yeah. won't they is, will WWE allow them to actually acknowledge that they're dating or whatever, you know? Right. And then... The other thing that's really frustrating is that both of those dudes are really great wrestlers, and they're on a show that is supposed to be more heavily invested in tag team wrestling, or at least that's what Daniel right. Bryan keeps saying. But Dave Bryan says a lot of things. They're barely allowed <laughs> to do anything, and it sucks because there are so many great tag teams on SmackDown that they could be working with right now. Like, if you need a random match to fill 10, 15 minutes on an episode of SmackDown and you haven't got anything on the card that has a long-running storyline, put Brazongo and American Alpha in a random-ass tag match oh, against dude. each other. How Absolutely. great would that shit be? I was going to say, the, the like, the Battle Royale they had the other day with all the tag teams in it, like, Tyler Breeze was the hero of that match. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're totally right. And, like, also, if you're trying to differentiate uh, SmackDown from Raw, why not go for it and make them, like, canonically dating? Because the idea with the brand split is, you know, you have to you have to either turn in, tune into Raw or SmackDown to see your faves. Right. So if you're trying to cut a profile as a show and take risks, put more emphasis on wrestling, bring, you know... Meanwhile, so on SmackDown, they... It's like SmackDown has so many resources that they could do something interesting with that they just fucking, they, they completely fumble it. If we're talking about it being, like, cooler and edgier than Raw, and I was like, why don't you get give us an LGBT storyline, you know? Yes. Like, it's, it's like, right there. Yeah. Right there, and... you kept that edge. But at the same time, again, I feel like we go in circles with this argument. It's like, it's not going to happen. I don't see it happening anytime in the near future. Um, yeah. When, I mean, you have, you know, on Raw, you have 
Lana and Rusev and Enzo. I don't know what the heck is going on over there. Um, so I don't want to talk drama. about that because I'll just get so depressed. Like yeah, so yeah. they have like the relationship drama going on there, and why don't you have that on SmackDown? Like why don't you have Fandango being like Tyler is ignoring my calls or something like that? It's just right. You could Actually, have it. You don't have to show them kissing, which is ridiculous to me. You know, right. at this point, like everybody grow up, get over it. People are gay. They mm-hmm. kiss just like straight people do. Man. But right. that aside, it's like if you don't want, you know, to corrupt the minds of the children, you know, I mean, you can still say it. I mean, even you don't have them like, you know, physically affectionate and so on, which again, I'm sorry, but it's bullshit. Talking about corrupting the minds of the children, um, Enzo walking around naked or getting like yeah, seduced right. by Lana, or cool. um, I don't know Alicia getting drooled on by like three of the cruiserweights guys right now. Yeah. No, no, but it's okay because it's straight. Right now, and actually, that's a really good point to bring up. WWE can't even do heterosexual relationships like an adult. <laughs> it's basically like an eight-year-old's imagination of how adults do romance. Of a Maybe. high school relationship. Right. So if they can't like if they can't even nail a thing that, you know, presumably the writing staff is heterosexual and should be able to write that, I would almost be probably really uncomfortable to see what their imagination of a uh, of a queer relationship would look like. Yeah. You know it's they would have the, the thing that hurts about Brazongo the most is that mm-hmm. I always come back around to the conclusion of well, I don't want Vince to tell us what that relationship is really like, because when he does, I won't like it. Yeah, yeah. just going, ah, oh, well, they'd fuck it up anyway. Yeah. I don't know why I feel like they would come up with some version of, like, who's the man and who's the woman in the relationship. I oh. feel like that's what they would do. Because oh, totally heteropatriarchy? Would. Yeah. Right. Yes, I mean, obviously. Um, well, we one has to be the feminine one, one has to be the masculine for, one. That's, for... That's, for anybody that's straight that's listening to this, don't misunderstand. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to imply that your understanding of queer relationships has to be like 100% perfect on board with ours, because obviously it's not your experience. But please be aware that gay relationships don't fit into the hetero mold of like one person is the man and one person is the woman and one person is submissive and the other person is dominant. Like there are lots of queer relationships that work that way, but there are lots of queer relationships that don't work that way because people are people and people are complex and that's okay. No, yeah, like just specifically like WWE writers, I I wonder how much of it is like, first of all, I'm going to take a wild fucking guess here without knowing anything about the makeup of the demographics behind the writing team. Probably white, probably male, mostly. Uh, I... (sighs) I don't think they have any female writers except for Stephanie McMahon. Um, They have Jimmy Jacobs on their writing staff. Oh, yeah. So is they he have, queer? Yeah, he is. Um, I think he's pretty openly bi. So they have an openly bisexual dude on their writing staff, and it still hasn't made it a safe environment for queerness in any way, shape, Good or form. Which, I well, mean, no, because person... I just imagine him getting shut down. I mean, like, right. oh. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I'm, I don't know. I don't know what happens. You know. I mean, everything, I mean, it's been confirmed over and over that everything ultimately goes through Vince. Yeah. Yep. So he's so this ancient fucking carny is the one that gets to decide these things. Yep, and it shows. Yep, it's really sad. 
because um, in addition to the fact that Brizongo would be an incredibly validating thing if they were allowed to, even if they were just allowed to say we're dating or Tyler were allowed to call Fandango his boyfriend, you know? Right. No, like they don't need to, honestly, although the thing is, although this would totally fit with their gimmick, they they don't have to come out squirting bottles of KY all over the fucking audience and like you don't have, well, I mean, uh, only in my fan fiction. Um, but yeah, like specifically, like you, you can, you could have them be dating in storyline without, you know, making it as cartoonishly PDA as possible. Even if like Tyler just said, you know, call Fandango with like honey or something. Shit yeah, call like him that. babe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Then I will be like, <laughs> I mean, I think he's called right. him darling before, but what? shut up. No. Wait, when? What? I think it was in a WWE.com segment. I'm going to have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure. But, I love oh. the idea that all of these great things are happening in WWE.com exclusives that no one sees. Because Vince I doesn't know. watch them. Yep. That's why. What is a computer? I, I had a point a minute ago. Hold on, I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, uh, Brizongo spraying lube on an audience. Oh! Um, <laughs> there, there we go. Yep. Thank you, Ryan. Uh one of the things that's most frustrating to me about the way that a lot of straight people view queerness and queer concepts is the idea they can't disengage it from the idea of it being this like very lurid, you know, NC seventeen oh, yeah. steamy like uh, oh. they, they can't disentangle it from the idea of it being like risque and perverted, and it's like it, that's that's very damaging to young queer people, and it's actually it's something you sort of struggle to overcome as an adult. I think, or right? At least I do. Like because, classifying queerness itself as triple X, right? Yeah. Like some well, of. Well, and I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say something that you know I don't know if we specified this at the beginning of this podcast, but we did in the last one. Uh, that the three of us are bisexual, openly. Right. Oh um, yeah. And you know, obviously, it comes up. In conversations, like sometimes I meet new people and it comes up. I have nothing to hide, and it took me a long time to get to that point where I'm completely open about who I am. Right. And even though I've been out since I was 17, but still, it's still hard sometimes. Yeah. The question I will almost always get from guys is, "Are you into threesomes?" Go. So it it automatically goes into sexual territory right they don't know that i might be uh you know uh, you know bisexual but i don't like you know asexual or something and it just goes there it just goes they don't know anything about you they assume that because you're bisexual it automatically means that you're what they would consider to be a deviant side note i don't think that there's anything wrong with people having threesomes that's totally fine no no (laughs) No, we can all get on board with like oh group sex that's great but i mean it's like so so frequently you you tell someone like you say, like yeah, you know, I'm bisexual, and then everybody in the room immediately thinks, but what about my dick? And they start, you know, trying yes. to classify your existence in relation to their junk, and it's. Or yeah. they're like, oh, who do you like, you know, to have sex with better, girls or guys? <laughs> Frankly, none of your business. Like. Yeah. Like no one says like, oh, this is my wife, and then everyone leans in and goes, oh, how do you fuck her? Like nobody. That's not. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. So. I I get very frustrated with uh, the straight people on Reddit who tell me that there's no way that they could have a gay storyline in a program that's for kids. Um, That's complete 100% total bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it just wouldn't be that difficult. It doesn't have to be wholly 
Um, it doesn't have to be sexual at all. I, you know, I realize that Tyler Breeze and Fandango are both very sexy characters. They're sexy oh, sure. guys. But if you think that that stuff is okay for your six or seven year old to watch, and I would argue that it is, because it's not, right. it's not like they're hurting anybody or you know trying to emulate sexual behavior so much. I mean, I like, mean, it's not like, like they're giving blowjobs to each other. You right. Know? Like when sure. little kids watch. Fandango do the like hip thrust thing that he does. They probably just think it's funny. (laughs) Relatedly, I don't think Vince has any idea how sexy the New Day is. I think it's completely lost on him. I I think he does know, but I think he can't admit it. And I think some beautiful (laughs) things have slipped through that loophole because they can't admit it. Right, right, right. Because he can't go, hey, hey, you know. you could stop uh, doing the hip swivel into the camera. Yeah, like he's not going <laughs> to admit that he's staring at Biggie's dick along like, with the rest oh, of the Oh, yeah, no. Can I just say one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life, and I tweeted this before, so forgive me to those of you who've heard this story. Um, Alex and I were at the Raw after WrestleMania this year. And oh, yeah. New Day was on the apron, backing it up as we went into commercial break, doing the, the hip thrusting and the booty shaking, and the camera guy went out of his way to try to frame Biggie's ass out of the shot, because Biggie has a very substantial booty. It's and great. Biggie wasn't even looking at the Jumbotron to see what was in frame, but he knew his ass was being taken out of frame, and he backed up further without <laughs> even turning around to get his ass back in the shot. So cutting uh, to commercial, Biggie's ass was still right the fuck there in the middle of the frame. It was just, it was just that was a good time. Good time. Not was, all heroes wear capes. Oh, it was just, it was so beautiful. I fucking I, love Biggie. But yeah, like, but I mean, like, so, so sex and wrestling generally, I think the two have always hung out, but it's always, the thing is, the sexuality that plays in Peoria, basically, has always been the most porny, cartoonish, shitty, like, just dull as fuck version of what sexy means. And I mean, because it's like so many things that are sexy in wrestling, you can tell that were kind of unintended or they don't, they didn't mean to make that sexy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Seth and Dean, I think that is uh-huh. one person. Their, their dynamic and tension, I mean, like, of course I could navel gaze about what I think that is, but I think that the tension that I see on screen, that's like those two guys specifically, that's their that's their house blend, basically. And WWE didn't exactly go, okay, I need you to go out there shirtless and stand, like, nip to nip with him. Right. Sweaty. Yeah, they're and, and gaze into and, each other's eyes very meaningfully as we. Yeah, so I need you to gaze right. longingly into Dean's eyes. Like you're not, they're they don't, you know, they don't know these things. So like so many of the of, of the things that we get out of it and scream about and claw our faces about on Twitter have nothing to do with somebody in the writers' room going, I think it would be sexy if. Right, right. And their FCW matches prove that because back then they didn't get scripts for almost anything that they did, and right. uh, whatever that chemistry is is still there yeah oh yeah i mean we talked a lot and i don't want to completely reiterate everything we said in the previous podcast but we talked a lot about how wrestling has a lot of potentially very gay connotations anyway just by existing Mm -hmm. and i think it's hilarious that uh seth and dean are appropriate for a pg audience that has to be 100 (laughs) percent hetero but mm-hmm. Brizongo holding hands or kissing or saying that they're dating or acknowledging that they're boyfriends, that would be... A bridge too far. A bridge too far. 
so it's really funny to me, you know, we talked the last podcast, what you said about um, how sometimes wrestling, well, it's pretty gay. Um, and right. there's this um, guy I'm seeing, and he doesn't like wrestling. So I tried to show him some videos on YouTube. Like, oh, wow. hey, look. And he was like, that just looks really gay. And he didn't <laughs> even say it in a bad way. He was just like, like they look like they want to kiss each other. And yes, I was, I showed him some Seth and Dean stuff. So for me that, you know, they have Fandango and Tyler Breeze, but they don't want to make them look too gay. But then you have all these different um, rivalries with, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so there's so much sexual tension there that doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm I'm not putting on like. Well, there's no. so much tension there. It's not necessarily yeah. the tension doesn't have to be coded as sexual. I think was my right. point. Like, obviously, there's there are definitely straight people who watch Seth and Dean have matches, and they acknowledge that there's a lot of tension there, but they don't interpret any of that tension to be sexual at all. And that right. is totally fine, and that's totally valid, and that's why you can take your six-year-old to see Money in the Bank without feeling right. like you're taking them to see something that would be shown on, like, Showtime or HBO. Like, right. Just because... Because if, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it. Right. Well, well, that reminds me of my sisters, right? I, I have a 19-year-old sister and a 12-year-old. The 19-year-old and I will watch Seth and Dean matches, and we're like, oh my gosh, they're obviously in love with each other. Right. Spoiler alert, they're not. It's just, you know. But the youngest one, she's just like, what are you guys talking about? They're just, you know, right, taking the crap it. out of each other. Yeah, she's just like, you guys are crazy. They're just two good-looking guys wrestling each other. So, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, um, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, I enjoy wrestling for the storylines and, of course, the in-ring action and so on. Um, but I think... And I think we discussed this on the past podcast, too. Sometimes I think we're desperately seeking for representation, that we look for it. That we'll take what they can give us, even though in context it's not representation, if I'm making any sense. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, those are two guys who, in real life, are just good friends who both have girlfriends. And Mm -hmm. um, the writing for those matches, like you were saying before, Ryan, the writing for those matches, it's not like a writer sitting in a writer's room saying, now look at each other longingly or rip his shirt (laughs) off before you knock him off that turnbuckle. If there were, it would be me hanging upside down from the ceiling and whispering it to people. (laughs) Yeah. Like a ghoul. I can see you doing that. Actually, if I could do that for money, that would be my ideal job is like whisper gay things in people's ears in writing writing rooms. That um, sounds like a great job. I, I would just pay to watch you do that in fact that would be pretty great um, take my money <laughs> that would be its own entertainment in and of itself oh god but, but yeah like so so they're not scripting it but it's it just kind of happens it's just it's one of the ways that you can interpret a lot of the very very like masculine and very physical tension that happens in that feud um speaking of very masculine physical things i feel like we have to move on to another one of the topics that i outlined for Mm -hmm. this podcast which was um we we gotta talk about that whole thing where brock lesnar and chris jericho got into a fight at SummerSlam. oh yeah let's jump into it yeah so this was this and this was in response to lesnar beating uh, the shit out of randy orton yeah. So if you watched SummerSlam, you definitely noticed that Randy Orton was bleeding really profusely from his head. 
and then also was off television for a couple of weeks afterwards because he had a concussion. Um, and he got opened up with, like, Brock Lesnar's elbow. Like, he was going for it. Supposedly, according to Dave Meltzer, Brock had made arrangements with Orton and with Vince when they were planning for the match to somehow nick Randy's head open using his elbow without concussing him, which sounds made up to me. Right. I'm going to bust you up in hard way with my elbow, and here's the kicker. I won't give you a concussion? I... Like, how the fuck does that work? I don't know, because you have to hit skin pretty hard for it to just split like that if it's not being attacked with something sharp. Sure, if I know anything about skin, blunt objects, they don't usually cut you open. Usually not. So, um, supposedly, uh, Chris Jericho was really, really upset about it. And Chris Jericho has even actually, like, acknowledged this, so it's not supposedly. We know that this happened. And Mm -hmm. got into an argument with Brock backstage, at which point Brock got in his face and supposedly called him some very not-so, uh, repeatable... Supposedly he called him a faggot, I'm just gonna say it. Um, and told Jericho to punch him or kiss him, and uh, Triple H had to break it up, and I feel like we have to to talk about this, the incredibly bizarre fact that WWE can't have, as we were just discussing at length before, positive queer storylines, but... Right. Like, I guess we were talking about this on the first podcast also, that in hetero patriarchal, hyper-masculine culture, queerness is often used as a threat. Right. It it made me think of um, Raging Bull. Like, there's this moment where Jake LaMotta, he's at, you know, this this club, and they're talking about his upcoming opponent, and he's like, yeah, he's pretty. I don't know whether to fight him or fuck him. And it's it's like, that, that language is usually kind of used when it's like, it's used threateningly, generally. And let's talk about the fact that Brock Lesnar called somebody a faggot. Uh-huh. And uh, Brock, Brock I don't like gay people, Lesnar. Brock doesn't like gay people, but does like steroids and still has a job. Yeah, Brock Lesnar, who once said, Seth Rollins, I'm coming for you, boy. I'm coming hard. Like, oh yeah, this, yeah. This is a guy like I, and, and it's also fascinating because Lesnar was initially they were batting it around uh, back in like I think it was 02 or 03 that they were considering making his character a gay character. Yep, <laughs> that would have done well. This big fucking screaming meat man who happens to be gay. First of all, it would have been fascinating, but then there's also the fact of Brock Lesnar on ESPN saying, "I don't like gay people." Write that down, like. Jesus Christ, that guy still has a job. I don't... Yeah. Not at UFC anymore. Well, actually, he's suspended, but... Right. Uh, well, and, and of course, it's not that he has these jobs because he's a good person. No. He, no. He has these jobs because he's really good at yelling and throwing people and being big. You know what? I don't have a problem with him having a job that has nothing to do with whether or not he's a good person. Being a good person is not a requirement for every job, and it's capitalism, right. so I accept that. What I have a problem with is the fact that you can um, badly injure one of your coworkers and then call somebody mm-hmm. a faggot when they get into your face about it, and that is and not, yeah. And on top of failing a whole bunch of drug tests, which I know he doesn't have to take drug tests for WWE, but that's Vince's call. Vince could easily yeah. make a decision that everyone <clears throat> who works for WWE has to pass a drug test, no matter what. At which point Brock would have failed the drug test. 
Well, and especially after the kerfuffle of Roman uh, getting popped for a wellness violation, and then meanwhile Brock Lesnar is just roidzilla, and it's totally fine. He can call Chris Jericho a faggot. He yep. can, you know, and and that's I like if you're working, you know, if I because I'm imagining being a member of the roster and seeing the way that Lesnar gets treated, the preferential treatment that like he's well he's an attraction, so he gets to just fucking do whatever he wants, and I don't know, man. Is he still an attraction though? I mean, maybe I live in a bubble, but um, I don't know. I mean, are people out there who give a shit about Brock Lesnar? I mean... So this is the thing. I have some thoughts about that. Um, I would say, yes, it's arguable that Brock Lesnar is an attraction because the pay-per-views that he's on tend to do a pretty good buy rate. The tickets tend to be fairly pricey, and they also tend to sell out because they usually don't put him on a pay-per-view unless it's a big pay-per-view. Right, he's not exactly showing up for Roadblock, you know? Right. That said, um, I think one of the things that WWE has the luxury to do that almost no other wrestling promotion in the world has the same flexibility with is that they really get to choose who they want their audience to be mm-hmm. in a way that everybody like, how do you mean? Else, well, okay, so, like, to a certain extent, I mean, if you're, like, say, Revolution Pro or Progress Wrestling, where you're a fairly successful promotion, but you're regional, and you have a certain operating budget that you know you have to work with, and you have guys Mm -hmm. who are big stars in their their area, but you have to, you know, factor in things like paying for their travel and what other dates do they have booked with your local competitors. To some extent, your audience is a known factor to you. Right. In a way this that is a variable that's accounted for. Right. Like, you know that the vast majority of people who buy your tickets are not traveling more than five hours to go see no, your show. No. And you charge ticket prices accordingly. You know? You book the right. stars that you do or don't book on that particular special accordingly. And yeah. WWE has a television contract. They're on your TV screen on cable, basic cable, to possibly three times a week and nobody else right now in the u.s has that what that means is that if wwe decided that they just don't care anymore about the people who only watch when brock lesnar is on and that instead they're trying to court a different brand of wrestling fan because news flash there's more evidence than there ever has been in the history of the business itself Those people exist. There's lots Mm -hmm. and lots and lots of different kinds of people who really like wrestling in some shape or form, or maybe don't like wrestling yet, but could could be convinced to like it if wrestling offered something for them in the first place. Um, They could replace the people that Brock brings in for them with entirely different people. And in order to do it, they would have to spend some time building up the established or establishing new stars within their company. Sometimes, you know, what would be required is, for example, if they took somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura, who's down in NXT right now, and put him up Mm -hmm. on the main roster, there are people who don't give a fuck about Brock Lesnar who would watch a WWE pay-per-view just to see Nakamura. Well, and even even then, yeah, I totally, that's a really good point. And also, uh, the snake kind of eats its tail when you get a thing like Goldberg squashing Brock Lesnar. (laughs) And that they are they have had such a problem building new stars for a while now yep. and they don't they don't know how to fucking invest in the talent they already have because they're always looking at what's the attraction we can bring in, what's the short term you know, like oh, you know, bring in bring in Shawn Michaels or bring in Goldberg or you know. 
they it's 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 amazing that like okay so you know they introduce these like like okay let's go back to let's go to Darren Young right so he's he was a guy who was starting to actually become a really good fucking wrestler. Yep. Because like when because I, I think we talked about this before that like when he was in the Nexus and stuff like he he was not he very was a good. Shaky. He had the fundamentals oh, yeah. down, but he didn't know how to make it look smooth yet. He wasn't quite right. as fast and, as some of the other guys. Right, and also he looked kind of homogenous with all the other guys in the Nexus, and that you could go, oh no, see that one's Heath Slater because he's wearing you know the the black the black pants, and this right. is Darren Young who's wearing the blue pants, so right. you couldn't really it was whatever. But so Darren Young, being an openly gay wrestler in WWE, which is pretty fucking big in terms of cultural seismic shifts, um, they did not know what to do with him. Like nope, they. Yeah. They had him, and they were like, "All right, let's pair him up with fuck with the screaming marionette doll that is Bob Backlund. Surely that'll get over with Joe Fuck Sports Bar in uh, Cleveland." Shockingly, it did not, and then they didn't know what to do with him after that. So, what is he even? What are they even doing with Darren Young now? What's Darren Young? Yeah, he works on house shows, and you occasionally see him in the background of an episode of I forget if he's on Raw or SmackDown. I think he's on Raw. Um, every once in a while, you see him in the background of an episode of Raw. Um, but yeah, um, I would posit that part of why the Bob Backlund thing didn't work is that most people watching WWE right now have no fucking idea who Bob Backlund is. And right, why would they? That's not necessarily... Like, you, your audience shouldn't have to use Wikipedia in order <laughs> to be able to watch your most popular it? product. Like, your most popular, best, you know, best known, most accessible brand. Like, right. I shouldn't have to go back and look up somebody who was a big deal... 15, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, in order to... Right, like, I knew I knew who Bob Backlund was because he terrified me as a child. Right. But if you're trying to get new people into the project... And, and that's the problem is, like, especially in terms of, like, having queer storylines, they... I don't, I don't think, like, there aren't more queer people now than there ever were throughout history. I think more people are just able to figure that out about themselves and yeah. talk about it. Yeah. It's like, the same reason and, and this that it is, seems like people talk about how it seems like there are more trans people than there ever have been before. Right. Not true. Not even a little bit true. There have been trans people since the beginning of time. The difference is right. that now, to a greater degree than before, and I'm not saying things are perfect, I know that they aren't, but to a greater degree than before, trans people have legal rights that afford them the ability to be themselves. They have access to proper medical care. They have access to psychological resources that help them deal. Um, oh, no, no. I, I see what you mean. Like, especially, yeah, like, they, they, there are resources now that there weren't before, and it's not necessarily, like, you know, I don't know. Like, if you're, if you're trans right now, I, I can't even imagine how terrifying, you know, living in, the, living in this culture must be and trying to do that but like for example there aren't more again yeah there aren't more trans people now than there ever were and i think old people old people tend to yell about how like well when i was a when i was young we didn't have all these all these trans folk and it's like, like yeah you did they were you did to and, death and locked up yeah, in jail exactly like yeah you did and they were fucking miserable i mean just uh, again i mean i don't know it might be different for you guys you know i was raised in mexico so just well, 10, 11 years ago, when I came out, it was terrifying. It was yeah, awful. Like, I was so scared. I was so scared because, you know, as much as my mom loved me, I thought that she was going to kick me out. Like, no, goodbye. Oh, and, you know, which she didn't. Obviously, she was great about it. But um, 
I lost you friends. Still have that fear. Yeah, I lost friends over it. Friends were like, "Oh no, I do not want to be around a gay," you know. And right. it's terrifying. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen now. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that right. you know people are terrified of coming out. You know, um, I've known people who've been closeted because it's just too terrifying to come um, come out to their families. Um, yeah. There is a little bit more acceptance now, though. Um, like in order that, like uh, Chelsea said, you can find resources now. Yeah. Right. You know, and maybe 10, 11 years ago, you didn't have those resources. And thanks to the internet, you can meet other people who are like you without actually meeting them in the flesh if you don't have the financial resources to do so. If you right. don't know any queer people or trans people or if you don't know anybody who fits into the particular category of non-heteronormative that you fit into in your town, chances are there's somebody else who speaks the language that you speak on the internet right. that you can locate who you may be able to make a connection with. Yeah, and also like if so if demographics are shifting or not so much shifting as, I mean I think that, I think I think demographics are shifting since for example the golden age of wrestling or the attitude era. Right. But so you've got this enormous group of people that could conceivably get into wrestling if they didn't feel that it was either actively fucking hostile to them or wasn't speaking to anything that they cared about. Yep. And if it, and then a guy like Darren Young, I'm not saying that Darren Young would have been like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin levels of charismatic and successful, but they didn't even give that guy a fucking chance. I like, mean, they didn't. And it sucks because I was actually initially really excited when they started his push, even though I wasn't wild about the whole Bob Backlund thing, because that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Because how many openly queer people are there on television who are people of color, who are black, I'll just say black, um, who are also all-American athlete types? And that was how they were portraying Darren Young's character, was, you know... Um, coach, I'm going to give you a certain number of push-ups. Coach, teach me your, you know, the right finishing yeah. maneuver so that I can beat you. He was the guys. boy next door. That was so exciting to me, and that's a great role for Darren Young and who he actually is. The thing that I think sucked is that, first of all, they didn't give him a serious feud. No. And no, he he pissed around with the Miz for a while, and then then I think they kept matching him up with Titus O'Neil because they used to be in a tag team. And Titus O'Neil is not a heat magnet. He's just not. No. I, like, I like Titus a lot, but... He's a very nice man. He is a very nice guy. He's not a fantastic wrestler. He's, you know, good enough to be entertaining for short spans of time. But sure. Darren Young, if he had had a real serious, solid feud, and it doesn't yeah. even have to be, like, a really, really deep, complex feud. It could have just been something as simple as, like, hey... You have that title belt, and you have the respect of all these people, and I want those things, too. Right, or, like, you keep cheating to win, and I think the best way to win is to, like, do lots of push-ups and drink an entire gallon of milk and, uh, you know, run laps. (laughs) Like, you could have easily done that, and I I feel like, on one level, I feel like their writing and their sensibilities are so fucking simple, and then in other ways, complicated in ways they fucking shouldn't be. Yep. Like... Simple storylines, like shit. Look at look at Ambrose and Rollins. The storyline of we were brothers and you stabbed me in the back, so I'm going to try to ruin your life. Yep. Pretty fucking simple, pretty straightforward, worked beautifully. And then 100 percent of the time, right? And then with Darren Young, I feel like if you can't sum up a feud or a character in like a logline, like give me one sentence that sums this person up or this feud up, 
it's you need to go back and figure it out because if you need to give me a paragraph of so anyway Bob Backlund is like it's it's not it's not good no no and Darren Young being successful in WWE as a character and as a wrestler again that doesn't necessarily have to be staked on his queerness but right. it is positive for queer people when any one of us succeeds in a way that's done you know honestly and decently without hurting anybody like Darren Young having a spectacularly successful wrestling career is good for queer people as a whole because it provides visibility and representation well and it provides precedent because yep. even if even if Darren Young is no great shakes and he's not that he even if he weren't that great of a wrestler the precedence of in any way openly gay Darren uh, you know Darren Young got you know this push or he got this title or something you could, you know, you can take that victory and go, okay, so we got this other lady or dude coming down the pike right. who is also openly gay. So since we did it with Darren Young, fuck it, let's take, you know, let's whatever, do it with the next right. person, and so on and on. Right, right, right. <sighs> so that's poor Darren Young. That's tremendously frustrating, and poor Darren Young. And I really hope that they find something good to do with him someday. Um, yeah. Speaking of openly queer wrestlers. Um, Ryan brought this to my attention earlier today, and I'm stunned that I didn't know about it before. Um, is Kenny Omega really openly bisexual? Yes, Kenny Omega is openly bisexual, and actually, um, I was I was because I had known about this before, but the uh, primary scholar on Kenny Omega related things, uh, Chicago C Rose on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we were talking about it, and I didn't realize this until she pointed this out to me, that, like, he, on his Facebook, it, he, he is openly bisexual. That's the button he clicked on Facebook. And he, especially, you know, in an, uh, there was this one tweet where someone asked him, like, hey, are you gay or bi? It's okay if you are. I just want to know. And he, he just tweeted back, I don't know what the hell I am. Like, oh, man. And then him confirming, like, I, I don't know, like, all of... Because you look at the Golden Lovers with him and Kota Ibushi, and... Even, I don't know, man, like, even if Justin Kayfabe, I mean, obviously, Kenny Omega is in love with Kota Ibushi, because look, look at Kota Ibushi, of course he is. I mean, um, who isn't? We're, that's just the human condition, is being in love with Kota Ibushi, but, yeah, like, Kenny Omega being an openly bisexual wrestler, who, by the way, is set to compete for the fucking IWGP heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom against Okada, like, that does my fucking heart good. Ah, uh, and, I mean, he... He's he's gonna be in the main event because he won the G one this year. He's right. Had, he's had a huge year. Like he honestly, won the G one climax. No foreigner has ever done that. Honestly, to me, best wrestler of twenty sixteen. He had the best match of twenty sixteen. Which Versus was Naito. His match with Naito. Oh for God, me. yeah. His, this is honestly, so worse, my friend. I know, I know. Because I was either going to go with that or, or, uh, or Zayn Nakamura, because that was my other like match of the year. For me. Oh, yes. Holy shit. It's like, a, it's like a religious experience. But yeah, so I mean, like, honestly, Kenny Omega, and it's so funny, especially with Kenny Omega, that like, okay, so he started out kind of as a comedy wrestler because he like fucked around in DDT doing comedy stuff with Coda, and he's always been, have you ever, okay, probably not, but have you ever seen The Toxic Avenger? I don't think so. No, crickets. He looks like if you Google Melvin Toxic Avenger, he kind of looks like if you took the actor who played Melvin from Toxic Avenger and like gave him his third Pokemon evolution, and that's what Kenny Omega looks like. So he's got a big rubbery face, and he's like entertaining and kind of goofy, and he did comedy stuff. And so, 
like queerness within that aspect. If you've got him in the Golden Lovers with Kodebushi, and their fucking finishing move is called the Golden Shower for the love of Christ. Supposedly, um, the tag team was originally called the Golden Shower, and they were doing a magazine interview in Tokyo about. Wasn't it the Golden Twins? Uh, maybe it was the Golden Twins, but they were doing a magazine interview in Tokyo, and the person interviewing them mentioned the name of the team that had previously been their stated name. I guess it was maybe the Golden Twins. And oh, I don't know. Kenny Omega corrected him and said, it's the Golden Lovers. And that became oh, their name yeah. from then on, because even he may have been joking when he said it. There's not really a lot of context given in that particular interview, but right. people took him at his word and started calling them that. And a couple of weeks after that, I think is when they did the gimmick where there's they do this silly bit in the audience because DDT is mostly like a like a comedy promotion like a lot of the stuff they do is just explicitly oh, yeah. meant to be funny and yeah. um uh Kenny Omega scoops up this guy that they're wrestling on a chair and pushes him towards Kota Ibushi who's standing at the other end of an aisle and they're up in the audience at this point so the audience is like surrounding them kind of freaking out but staying very respectfully mm-hmm. behind the railing because they're Japanese and right. Uh, Kota Ibushi goes to set up to strike the guy that's on top of the chair, and the guy that's on top of the chair, like, dodges and pulls Kenny Omega forward, and Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi accidentally kiss. Yeah. I, was, I, I, I just, yeah, it, it, it just, wrestling is... It just got real it. quiet in here for a second. No, yeah, I, think no we're like picture, I think we were all picturing it and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Giving everybody a moment to just, you know. Well, yeah, and honestly, for me, I almost wonder if his background as a kind of ridiculous, again, DDT regular, if he was kind of a comedy guy. I mean, for the love of all that is holy, his current, like, the cleaner gimmick is literally Sylvester Stallone in Cobra. Pretty much. Like, he is a ridiculous <laughs> man, and so maybe because he's that and not, like, I have always been super serious wrestling guy who is, you know, super macho and super into whatever... Like, maybe that kind of made him feel like he had the freedom to go, yeah, I, I like girls, I like guys, whatever. Like, because w- when when you have that liberty of, I don't have to be this macho, cool guy ideal, right? he, he can just kind of be who he is, which is a big anime nerd queer kid who got really good at wrestling. I mean, and, you know, whether or not the expressions of his queerness, or the expressions of queerness in his performances... Whether or not that is who he actually is and a representation of his queerness in his personal life, right. um, obviously somebody who actually is queer is going to connect to the concept of using queerness in their work in a way that a straight person doesn't. Even if it were totally kayfabe, it still does my fucking heart good to see, you know, yeah. to see that, that he, he gets to, you know, headline fucking Wrestle Kingdom. And he and, and, and Kota Ibushi talk about each other in the Japanese press in a way that is just so magical and so beautiful. Oh my god. They talk about each other like star-crossed lovers. And I'm sorry, that... Kenny's <sighs> always like, Kota, I love you, come back to me. Or like, doing, <laughs> pull, pulling out the fucking Phoenix Splash at the G1. Oh. And like all the, oh, oh god. I mean, they love to each be other fair, so much. to be fair, he pulled out a lot of other people's moves at the end of that match. Sure. That was part of the story of that match. But mm-hmm. oh, like he's collecting the souls of the people he's beaten. He literally became Mega Man. Yes. Um, finally, finally. <laughs> this was always going to happen. He'd been waiting his whole life for that. But, mm-hmm. but, I think I think I could be wrong. 
I think that him using Coda's move, wasn't Coda the only person whose move he used who didn't defeat him with that particular finisher? I could be wrong about that. Wrestling Internet, if I'm wrong about that, just tell me that oh, I'm wrong. And I'll uh, I think Kenny, Kenny helped defeat Coda a little bit because it was uh, Coda versus AJ Styles. Uh, for the for the heavyweight championship, and then, and, and of course they were all in Bullet Club, so Omega was on the ropes, like was on the apron to distract Kota, and that's when AJ Styles beat him. So he never, he didn't, I think during that run, I don't think he beat Kota then, which makes it the odd move out from all these other people he's defeated. Right, right. But Kota still belonged on that list somewhere. He was somewhere there. Yeah. He was still special. And when they asked him during the press conference about, so we saw you use the Phoenix Splash, was that a callback to Cody? He's like, next question, next question. <sighs> and then, you know, he cuts, he cuts these promos about, like, New Japan Pro is the best place for wrestling in the world, and for Kota to go to WWE and be a junior, there's no point in that. Isn't that embarrassing for WWE to do that? You can do so much more. And I right, finally isn't Kota surpa- downgrading himself? Right, and he even said, he's mm. like, I finally surpassed him. I was chasing Ibushi for eight years and finally outgrew him, which, okay, um, people listening to this who aren't huge anime nerds, never had an anime nerd phase, all six of you, um, just so you know. <laughs> and, well, uh, I, I can say that I'm not, so, no. Well, okay. Alex. I feel y'all. Alex is, is, is the seventh. Um, you guys can all go <laughs> hang out on your nice little island somewhere and mm-hmm. and talk about how much you think the rest of us are completely bizarre, and that's okay. Um, the rest of us will be clinging to our Crunchyroll subscriptions really anxiously mm-hmm. waiting for the next season of Yuri on Ice. Oh, but, my God. Um, uh, the idea in Japanese culture of, like, an eternal rivalry of, like, two people who orbit around each other is... I mean, you might think that that's a trope in American fiction, but in Japanese fiction, it's it's kind of the trope that defines almost every male-branded form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much every major sports anime isn't just, I have to figure out how to sports the best. It's, I have to figure out how to sports the best so I can beat you personally. So you're saying that Koda is... Iceman and Kenny Omega is Maverick from Top Gun. I I am saying I am saying that Kenny Omega is Hikaru Shindo and Kota Ibushi is his Toya Akira. Ah, uh, okay. That's how much they love each other. Yes. They man and and honestly, I don't even I mean, the rumors that the two dated at this point they it kind of almost Okay, all we it have to go on... It almost doesn't matter. It almost exactly. doesn't matter whether they did or not. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, all we have to go on as wrestling fans is what we can read between the lines with, the, the heavily implied stuff, um, even just like rumors we've seen on the internet about. And I wonder how much of that comes down, like all of those rumors come down to all of us really want to live in a world where Kenny Omega dated Kota Ibushi. Um, even if they didn't, it kind of doesn't matter because for the purposes of what we're talking about, absolutely they did. The narratively, least, they've dated. At the very least, narratively, they've dated. Exactly. Narratively, they're, they love each other from afar. And maybe we'll someday mm. love each other from up close again. Go, oh, oh, don't you do that to my heart, Chelsea. I can't. I can't even deal with it. Dude, how sweet would that feud be? I, oh my god. <sighs> so, And also he's bisexual, so waka waka. <laughs> you know, I uh, I feel like my shoulders are a little lighter. Like there's less of a less of a weight yeah. there because yeah. I know this about Kenny Omega now. Like that's 
that just makes me really happy. Whether or not that ever turns out to be something that he, like, discusses at length in public or not, like, which he never ever has to if he doesn't want to. Um, right. Knowing that he is some degree of open about it and it hasn't completely squashed his career. Um, at the very least that he's open about being somewhere on the Kinsey scale instead of yeah. doing the macho wrestler guy thing of, like, I'm not gay. And, like, just needing to maintain this macho thing. Like, he's not interested in that. God, that's awesome. And yep. the fact that, you know, I watched, in preparation for this podcast, I watched two or three of his matches with Kota Ibushi when they were the Golden Lovers. And I read a oh, fair yeah. amount of what people said about them. And, you know, it was a silly, like hey, maybe the fangirls of DDT will buy extra merchandise if we do this, and, oh my god, they accidentally kissed Ono! Um, kind of thing. Right. But also not <laughs> degrading. No, yeah. Like, nothing about the way he cuts promos talking about Kota Ibushi now feels, like, gross or insincere or It damaging. doesn't feel like he's taking the piss, basically. Right! Like, he's, he's not going, haha, wouldn't it be funny if I were gay? There's no Chuck and Billy bullshit there. Right, that's exactly it. Like, None whatsoever. That's really incredible, you know? Like, I'm I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and honestly, like, he's one of those guys that, like, I, I, I know that if I had been watching, like, wrestling and, you know, as a kid, not that I would have known what the fuck New Japan Pro Wrestling was as a child, but I, I would have loved Kenny Omega anyway, even before learning that about him because he's a giant dork and he also really likes anime and Sylvester Stallone movies and he's a big dork like and, and that's exactly the thing is like the fact that he is ostensibly queer is not his sole defining characteristic I mean in not even minds. remotely like if you if you try to encapsulate Kenny Omega exclusively by those things you're missing like literally everything that makes him notable as a wrestler to begin with well, yeah, and, like, I mean, speaking for myself, this is, I mean, that's a reason that I'm kind of gun-shy about coming out as bisexual to people that I've, I've met, or, like, because you, you kind of feel like you have to come out every single fucking time somebody gets made aware of this. Um, <sighs> yeah. And that's, that's a thing that makes me gun-shy about it, because it's like, okay, if prior to you knowing that about me, I was just your buddy Ryan, and now I am Ryan, your queer friend, and you, you just put that lens on every time you look at me. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah. All you know. my friends know, but none of my coworkers do. And I am no, I'm sorry. One of my coworkers knows because that particular coworker is also queer. Oh, <laughs> so it's like a secret handshake, like, oh you too, huh? Yeah. I and think... we there were there were more of us, actually, in fact, and we all recognized each other and we never talked about it. Right. I think um I never really um I used to work for a publication here in North Texas, freelancing for them. And I don't think I ever came at them, but they all follow me on Twitter, so I'm guessing they've guessed. <laughs> uh, at my part-time job, I think most people know, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's the thing that Ryan says, you know, that you have to come out every time. In every you feel, space. feel like you have yeah. to time. Like, like, you have to say, hey, uh, by the way, you know, um, yeah. this is going to be... And sometimes, I mean, I this is how I feel. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes, like, are are you gonna be okay with this? Or is mm-hmm. it gonna be an issue at some point? Right. You know, because you never know. You never know. Yeah, and I mean, and by no means do I mean to say that, like, because, and this is this is one of the questions about how you know queer identity is like, 
if if somebody doesn't want to be defined in any way by that, I respect that. And on the other hand, if somebody super, super identifies with that in terms of like, this is who I am, this is a major, major component of who I am, and I want people to, when they look at me, go, oh, this is my queer friend, like, you know, Jeff or whatever, that's perfectly fine, too. Um, There's kind of no right way to be queer. And I think for me, it's just that thing of like, I, and and it's weird, because part of me is like, I want them to know that about me, because that is a, a part of who I am, and that's as much a part of who I am as the weird shit that I'm into or yep. my hair color, or that's yep. just part of my makeup. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so Kenny Omega multitudes, fucking multitudes. Like where, wh- you know, that, that's the great thing about it. It's like, all right, where do I start? Um, him kissing Kota Ibushi, the fucking aviators, the gun hand gesture, him being a dick to Okada. Like the fact that we're not looking at him and going, Oh God, Billy and Chuck. Like that, that's not his narrative. Like, his narrative star-crossed lover is Kota Ibushi. Like that. That is a dream condition for us all. That is God aspirational. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Goals. <laughs> ah, I love their love. I hate their love. <laughs> I am compromised. Goals. It's terrible yeah. and wonderful. Um, yep. I feel like we had another. We had another wrestler to talk about who I wasn't aware was queer. Um. Daria Baronado? Oh yeah, Daria Baronado. She apparently uh Daria Baronado apparently came out on her season of Tough Enough. I had no idea about that. I didn't watch enough of Tough Enough because quite frankly it was terrible. It was bad, yeah. That it, it was she's, a terrible show. She's well apparently she's openly gay. Yeah. She's been starring in a fair number of episodes of NXT for the last two, three months. Right, because she's been feuding with uh Billy and uh Peyton, right? Yeah. 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 So you basically, and and the thing is, I mean, Daria Baronado, as as opening gimmicks go, I'm an uh, oh she's an MMA fighter, I guess, is pretty good. Like it it it's at least kind of something instead of just I'm here to give 110 percent and you know the the usual opening babyface gimmick thing. She seems, I can't tell if it's just that she's trying harder than some of the other tough enough people that they tried to make a go of it with in NXT, or if it's mm-hmm. that. Um, either she's trying harder or they're writing better stuff for her or both of those things, I guess. Like, those are kind of all the options. But, like, yeah, she's, uh, she's sticking it out as, like, hey, I'm an athletic tough girl. I don't like mean girls and I'm going to beat them up when they face me. Well, and, and the frustrating thing was, like, when, uh, at NXT Los Angeles, when I, when I went, like, it was, uh, Daria Baronado versus, um, What's her? Uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, blonde lady who did the gross racist video on the plane. Mandy Sachs. Yeah, Mandy oh, Rose. Yeah. Yeah, it was her versus Mandy. What Rose. happened to her? She's still in NXT. She hasn't been fired, oh. even though she doesn't really like black women, but keeps copying their hairstyles. Sure, um, I mean, obviously, not on Total Divas anymore because there was no point in having oh, yeah. her there. The whole point to her character on Total Divas, whether, regardless of what she's like in real life, the point to her character on Total Divas was that she's hot and gets into trouble. Who cares? We already have Eva Marie. We don't need you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she looks like a member of the Hitler Youth, and so she was. You know, she when I went to NXT Los Angeles, it was Daria Baronado versus Mandy Rose, and that audience wasn't giving them shit. They were just sitting on their hands the entire time, and I'm almost like. Is this because, and initially, and, you know, immediately I'm like, okay, at the at the time I knew that Daria Baronado was gay, and it was like, uh, some oh. part of me is like, I, I don't... You wonder if the it, audience wasn't into it because she's gay? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, to be sure, 
I live in fucking California. This is not. I mean, not, not to say that there's not homophobia and bigotry literally everywhere, but but it's not I don't the know. same as Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas. Oh Jesus, right. Um, and so, I, and and that's my thing is like I feel like with the, the women in NXT now, if you're not Oscar or one of the four horsewomen who have already you know gone to a better place now, they don't really give a shit about developing talent. Like this crowd, like like the the reason that Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky, you know, one of the reasons they got as good as they did was because the crowd fucking believed in them and got behind them. They got yes. to you know, like hone hone their skills. The crowd was the reason that they got as many opportunities as they did because when they were given opportunities and they stepped up in a way that WWE wasn't prepared for, fans mm-hmm. vocally said, "We want more of that. Give us more." And WWE eventually was smart enough to stop, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face. Right, and kind of go, oh, shit, Bailey could be the female John Cena. <laughs> like, children love Bailey. Um, and so, Everybody like, watching Mandy Bailey, Rose... Pers- unless you have no soul. Right, and I've been made... Mm-hmm. I have an ungood authority that there are lots of uh, uh, mean, terrible people on Twitter who uh, don't like Bailey. Um, Honestly, but, fuck those people. Yeah, they, they don't understand I that. agree, fuck those people. They, they, they don't understand friendship or magic. But with Aria Baranato, she, I think she could be really, really great, and I want her, I want everything that WWE could conceivably plan for Ronda Rousey coming over, fuck that. Give it to Daria Baranato instead. Give it to Daria Baranato, absolutely. You know, that's a great idea, Ryan, I never thought about that. That would be, I mean, she isn't, she isn't ready for it yet. No, definitely. I mean, she's she's so green. green. She's still pretty green, but... She's only been on NXT TV on a regular basis for about two months now, and she's already shown improvement, which says to me that whatever she's doing in the Performance Center and whatever she's taking away from her experiences in front of live audiences and on TV is working for her. She's getting stuff out of it. And, you know, instead of having Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania this year, Save it for a couple of years until Daria Baranato is ready so that you're not doing the same shit twice and you get a wrestler who is going to cost a lot less to employ, quite frankly, who can mm-hmm. build her own following and become a part of your brand. I I fully support that. I think that's great. Also, someone who hasn't uh, physically abused their sp- uh, their partner or been a, tran- uh, a transphobe or, Denied you know, just that lit- 9-11 happened the way yeah. it happened or. Yeah, literally just anybody but fucking Ronda Rousey. Like, yeah. and, and, and that's my thing with Daria Baranato is like, so we've got if, if we contrast, right, if we take uh, Daria Baranato's character or Darren Young or, you know, like the, the fact that, you know, they are, you know, openly gay contrast that with for example Brizongo where it's like they this is like Brizongo is almost gayer than if they were having sex in front of people like the like the the fur and the police uniforms and stuff this is obviously trading on queer tropes yep so that as contrasted with like Daria Baranato whose thing is that she likes to punch people or yes. Darren Young's thing which is that uh, he will run laps probably later all american jock absolutely um, honestly, that's exactly what it is, is I want so many different kinds of IRL, gay, like, queer performers or, you know, queer characters or something. I want there to be so many that we don't have to take individual ones as being representative of every queer person and experience and character. Oh, that is such a good point. Like, I want, the, I, I want it to be so diverse and so, like, I don't know, you, you know what I mean? Like, because... Yeah. 
it feels like the stakes are infinite when you look at a thing like, you know, Brizongo or you look at a push like Darren Young's. Because Darren Young by himself, I don't really give a shit about because the narrative has given me no real reason to. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. I don't know, man. We need more. We do. We do. That's I agree. A, that's a really good point. You know, no one individual person can represent all of us who identify with those struggles. Like, it has, it has to be a team effort. Yeah. Like, by all means, give me the guy who comes out with an enormous effigy of a dick strapped to his head, spraying fake semen into the audience like he's, fu- like he's a member of Guar. Give me that, and then also give me the big fucking hoss bruiser who happens to be gay and it's whatever. Like, I, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... Yeah. And maybe, and I almost wonder if part of me is like, wrestling is at least, like, what, 15 years behind the times at any given point, probably? Usually. Yeah. Like, yeah. So should we it's, expect representation in, like, 15 years? <laughs> yeah. Like, are we all going to be in our 60s, you know, watching WWE programming going like, they finally have an on-screen gay couple. Like, <laughs> fuck's sake, man. How much? And and I understand, It's going like, to be brief time. <laughs> oh, my God. Excellent. Um, I don't know. Oh, I, and, and, of course, like, I second-guess myself. Like, are we being unreasonable for wanting that? And it's like, no, we're not being unreasonable. Oh, no. And I think we, you know, I think we have, um, I'm going to say the older queer people. Um, not that we're super old, but, you know, we still have that feeling like, yeah, if, am I wanting too much? Am I requesting for too much? We always ask ourselves that, and straight people never do. Right. So right. it's like, am I being unreasonable? Like you said, am I being unreasonable? But no, we really aren't. It's just, we we were used to just, either having nothing or having like scraps thrown at us. So we're like really grateful for the scraps. Right. So I think that is very hard as a community sometimes. I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but you know, it's very hard to demand more because we're not sure if we should have more. Well, because we worry that we're getting too grabby, I think. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, I read this article in vice, um, a few months ago about New Day, talking about how they're the the three six mafia of WWE. Like you look at those three guys, for three black guys to be very successful at that level where they're beloved yeah. and selling all that merchandise is mm-hmm. not just that it was unprecedented in the sense of like, you know, they broke the tag team records, but like right. those guys weren't all supposed to be there and they weren't all supposed to be able to succeed together at the same time. Right. That's I mean, because I remember, I remember seeing them. Uh, what was it? SmackDown 2015. Those when people were just like openly hating on them. Oh yeah. yeah. My point originally, the reason that I brought up New Day was not just that those guys weren't supposed to be there. Um, I was thinking about something that Dwayne McDuffie said, the late great Dwayne McDuffie, in, when he did an interview, he was talking about how in movies and television, you can have one black guy, maybe right. even two, but if you have three, in the eyes of television executives, it's automatically considered a black product, and they will assume right. that it's not going to sell. Right. And the more, obviously, the more successful products there are with diverse characters in them, Mm -hmm. the more it proves that stereotype to be 
untrue. I mean, to some extent, you can never convince the racists that they're wrong. But right. I feel like to some extent, and I realize that being black and being gay are not perfectly analogous, um, I feel like to some extent, the same thing is kind of true with queer characters. If you have, um, or queer people, if you have five or six openly queer wrestlers working in WWE at the same time, maybe two or three of them have queer gimmicks. Maybe none of them have queer gimmicks, but there's another queer gimmick somewhere. Right. The more the more times that that is not a barrier for the audience, for those mm-hmm. people to get over, which the audience is not the problem. Right. Um, some of them are. Some well, of them I, I was going to say, like, occasionally the audience is a huge problem. Occasionally the audience is a huge problem. But what I was talking about before, the audience, who your audience is, can change. Mm-hmm. And it can well, change and, and in a positive way. They they react to they react to what you give them, and yep. If you if you give them that, and obviously like and not not completely because occasionally the writers will throw out a thing that people don't respond to or they don't care for. But like you, the if you're CM not even giving the thing of the guy that gets over mostly on his own with his own narrative constructed by him is incredibly rare. Yeah, that he grabs the mic and and just does what he wants to do, and that becomes huge. Like that, yeah, that's that is the exception. It's very rare. There's no reason that you can't have a breakthrough like that with queer characters, but I do agree that for the most part, it's going to have to come from the writers' room first, which I think is why it's going to take so long. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like wrestling. I mean, wrestling fans have a memory of about three months. I feel like if in one year you planted the seeds for a queer storyline or a queer character, I think within a year it would be so much more normalized and and, and accepted by fans and, you know, I don't know. They, I feel like if you just did a year of a little bit of pushing in that direction, right, like writing-wise, it's absolutely doable. But not if Vince writes the narrative. You're never going to get queer liberation with a narrative that's exclusively told by heteropatriarchal straight people. It's not going to happen. Absolutely not. So I think that's enough of us babbling for today. I am Chelsea, and I'm Chelsea Comics on Twitter, and I most frequently tweet about wrestling from our Shoulders Up account, which is shoulders underscore up. Um, Alex's Twitter handle is AlexGHRZ. Alex, thanks for doing the podcast today. Yay, no problem. I always like talking about gay stuff. Yay. And wrestling stuff. Yay. And wrestling stuff, of course. And wrestling stuff, right? Maybe just a little. And, yeah, same thing. And um, Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. Um, and your Twitter oh, handle thanks for is... Thanks Your Twitter handle is Ryan Boyd? Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, oh, Ryan Droid. Ryan Droid. Uh, because it's a portmanteau of my name that I thought would be cool, but now it just looks like I don't, know, I don't know how to fucking spell the word Android. <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening. We really appreciated the feedback you gave us after the first episode that we did that was about queer concepts in wrestling, so um, we look forward to more dialogues with you. We'll speak with you soon. Bye. Bye.